cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. Yes, today on the Fat Tail Investment Podcast, we are talking cannabis, all about cannabis. And I'm, I've, I've got a, a very special guest for you later on, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about this sector before we get to him. Um, but I want to preface this conversation in a slightly different way. I got an email this morning from uh, a website called Market Index. And I really like uh, this site for checking out data and and different things. And the guy that runs it, Matthew, occasionally sends out an email and he did a little uh, survey by the looks of it. And he, he said this morning, without doubt, the most requested categories for, uh, sorry, let me start again. He was, he asked the audience uh, for, you know, which sectors they were interested on the ASX. And this was the, the what he wrote. Without doubt, the most requested categories were electric vehicles, graphite, lithium, ESG, and uranium. Now, that's all good. That's what people are interested in. Um, now, if you don't know ESG, that's to do with uh, the environmental factors, so companies that are, uh, you know, not fossil fuels, basically. Uh, now, when I look at that list, to me, that's the sectors to avoid. Now, that just sounds very uh, unusual, maybe, because those are important sectors and there's been lots of opportunity. But whenever I see... Um, the crowd, for want of a bit of a word, uh, focus on a sector like that. You, you, usually in the short term, it's already priced in. Now, I can tell you from experience that lithium stocks have absolutely boomed since last year. They are up hundreds of percent. So if you're coming to it now, you're a little bit behind the ball. So when I'm looking around, where can we find some value with a big upside? Well, let's take a look at cannabis. I can tell you that they've gone for nowhere for a couple of years. I did a report back in 2019. I went over the stocks. And at the time, previous to that, cannabis stocks had had a huge boom. And I looked at the valuations of these stocks and I was like, oh, geez, you know, some of them had 500 million plus market caps with no revenue. Now, here in Australia, cannabis isn't legal to smoke, uh, but there was the government was facilitating the medicinal side of things. But even then, it was very much a grey area, and because cannabis had been banned for so long, the doctors were uncomfortable subscri- uh, you know, prescribing it to people. And there was a, so there was a whole host of issues. So even though I went into that uh, report with great gusto, I sort of came out and going, you know, this is I'm going to put it all in a too hard basket. Now here we are, almost three years later, and most of them have done absolutely nothing since. And I say that as stocks, not as businesses. They've kept investing and and going about what they were doing, but they just they struggled to make money. So here in Australia, cannabis uh, stocks have sort of stalled. But over in America, the cannabis sector is booming because over there, obviously, in some of the states, you can smoke it, uh, you know, for fun. So you go down to your local shop and, and buy an ounce and do what you do. It's not what I get up to, but, you know, a lot of people do. Uh, but there's also the medicinal side of it as well growing in America. So, but again, the story of cannabis, the, the kind of boom that we saw uh, uh, petered out. So there's great values over in cannabis stocks in the US. Now, there are some tricky aspects to it because of the, the mishmash of regulations over there in the US and the same here in Australia. But a little bit like crypto, if you can look beyond to when uh, those regulations are put in place, what you have is a massive growing market where companies can make a lot of money. So I, one of my colleagues is a guy called Thomas Carroll. He runs a newsletter called Cannabis Capitalist, and you have to say it slowly, especially if you had a few drinks because it, it's a sort of a mishmash, Cannabis Capitalist. Um, 
And I got him on the line. And the first thing I asked him was to bring us up to speed. What's been going on in the last couple of years? Because as I say, here in Australia, the last few years has been about, uh, well, you name it, iron ore, gold, lithium, now uranium. Cannabis has fallen away. So I asked him to bring us up to speed with what's happening. So here he is, the cannabis capitalist, Thomas Carroll. I guess Canada and the United States is um, kind of a tale of two different cannabis stories. Um, the United States, by you know, state by state, has slowly been legalizing cannabis, either at the medical level, and now you're seeing more states swap over to what they call either recreational use or adult use uh, cannabis, and and it'll be hopefully at some point regulated, like like alcohol is. Um, so that's been going on since really the late 1990s um, in the United States. And it's really picked up traction probably in the last 10 years or so. Um, Along the way, Canada was progressing along doing kind of the same thing. And in 2018, Canada completely legalized federally across the whole country. And so that's where you heard of these companies, the Canadian companies like Tilray and Canopy Growth and Aurora and Kronos these are kind of what I would call household uh, household cannabis names, primarily because, well, well, really two things. One, they're operating in a fully federal legal market, Canada, and they're allowed to be traded. The stocks are allowed to be traded in, on the U.S. exchanges because they do no business in the United States. Um, so they get a lot of attention on the financial news networks like Bloomberg and CNBC and the like. Um, so there, there's a, there's a good bit of attention, um, given to all these aims. I wish there was more attention given to the United States companies because they actually have real revenues, real earnings, free cash flow, great management teams, solid balance sheets, um, you know, everything you would like in a, in a, in a up and coming, you know, growth, uh, growth market. Well, versus, well go ahead. Excuse is me. That, uh, I was say- yep. We'll come back to the U.S. opportunity in a little bit, but mm-hmm. real when you like as an investor, obviously America is the huge market; like it's ten times the size of Canada. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening is not familiar the story. Why? Why do we have these difficulties with um, you know Canadian stocks trade on the U.S. because they don't do business in America? It right. might sound weird to anyone. Do you want to talk about the complications of cannabis in America? Sure. So <clears throat> cannabis in the United States is illegal at the federal level, right? So it's what's called a schedule one drug, right? Which means it was deemed 50 years ago by the federal government to have no medicinal benefit whatsoever. Um, So there's very stringent laws against it. And because of that, you know, everything else that touches a federal agency can't do anything with cannabis, Um, but the states can. So, So state laws, and that's what I mean. It's a, a, a federalism society in the United States where you got federal government, you got state governments. And so states can innovate and kind of do their own things. And for a long time, states would pass these laws. But these companies that were operating within legal state markets could any day be raided by the federal government. Right. Because you had this what I call policy conflict between the state governments and the federal government. So, you know, the U.S. exchanges are considered, um, you know, federal property, if you will. Um, So they have stayed back and they said, look, we're not going to trade stocks uh, on U.S. exchanges, right? Like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. 
um, if these companies actually do business in an illegal substance, right, in the United States. That's off the table. However, they said, look, these companies in Canada, right, it's federally legal in Canada, um, and they're doing okay in Canada. So we will allow them to list on our stock exchanges here in the United States. I mean, it's it's crazy. It makes <laughs> it makes no it makes no sense, you know, other than this piece of paper somewhere that says it's federally illegal, you know, in the United States, even though 40 something states now have either a medical or a or, or a recreational program in place. So that, that's really the conflict. And it has all kinds of ramifications for investing. And just when you talk about those U.S. companies, do they then list in Canada? Yeah, so they list in Canada, um, either uh, typically on the um, the Canadian stock exchange, and then the way U.S. investors and, and really any investors primarily can get to them is through the over-the-counter markets, the OTC markets, which is a, a network of broker dealers across the United States that will agree to you know buy and sell and make a market in these stocks. So you're, when you say it's insane, it does look insane from you know, any angle that you look at it, but yep. that in then is the opportunity because to me, it's like crypto where you get this unregulated new thing. No, the old rules don't account for it particularly well. Um, and of course in crypto, you know, multiple times we've had everybody sort of front run in Bitcoin, the institutional money they expect to come in. You were an analyst on wall street and I just saw a comment from yeah. you, your last issue, I think it was, where you said, well, you know, the institutional fund managers can't even invest in these. So that's right. holding back, you know, uh, theoretically holding back, I say, a wall of money. Do, is that part of the opportunity that you see? W- without question. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I think, I mean, I've seen various estimates, but between three and 4%, so three, right, three and 4%, single digit percentages uh, of all of these stocks in the United States are owned by institutions. Um, And primarily those are mostly unregulated hedge fund type of organizations and family offices and things like that. So, you know, the Fidelities of the world, the Wellingtons, the T. Rowe prices, these, you know, what you think about as big US fund managers, they can't touch any of these at all. Um, You know, I have a, a, T. Rowe Price is headquartered here in Baltimore. I have a lot of friends there, and they have suggested to me when I've when I've chatted with some folks there, they're not going to be able to touch it until it's absolutely federally legal, right? And by that time, the trade's over, right? Money's been made by that time. So, um, back to your point about you know, is that part of the opportunity? Yes. I mean, once even getting these stocks traded on U.S. exchanges, I mean, the doors open like this much now, right? Exchanges open at this much, federally legal, you know, opens it all the way. So the the more breadth and depth of the market that can buy these stocks and hold them, uh, the better these things are going to do and the better valuations we're going to see. So it begs the question though, how likely is the federal government to legalize it? I, I think it's 100% likely at some point. Um, the, the problem is we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, my, my personal opinion on it is that it to me, it doesn't really matter. I mean, legalization is all around us at the state level, um, at a number of different, there's a number of different things, right? The SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the federal agency that that regulates and registers stocks uh, of U.S. companies, U.S. listed companies, you know, has recently um, registered shares of Green Thumb, right? Which is a big U.S. multi-state operator. So here's a federal agency registering shares 
of a cannabis company, right? Whose product is 100% federally illegal. <laughs> so you got all these policy conflicts going on. So legalization is happening all around us. And I don't know if you've watched any of the stocks in the last two days. This is a, a timely a timely chat we're having. But on Thursday, there's a there's a, an annual act that needs to be passed by Congress called the, the National Defense Authorization Act. And it's a it's a routine thing that happens every year. It allows the government to kind of opine and you know decide on policy about where U.S. defense policies are going. But it's also a vehicle which um, you know Congress can attach other things that are unrelated to defense. Um, and the Safe Banking Act was one of those pieces that was attached this year. And so far, we're not sure if it's going to stick in the Senate, um, but it's looking like some some uh, some amount of it will. Right. So quickly, the Safe Banking Act just opens up the U.S. banking industry to cannabis companies. Right. Which they're not allowed to, to do. So right we should now. say, as far as I understand, they, they like these businesses that sell, you know, in California, they're cash businesses. Right. Because the banks are like, we don't want to touch your your money because effectively in the eyes of the law, it's drug money. Is yeah. that right? So so historically and, and, and historically, I mean, by, you know, three or four years ago, not that long ago, these were all cash businesses. But in, in the, really the last three or four years, every state that has gotten uh, gone legal, either medical or recreationally, there's a there's a local bank in every state that will work with cannabis companies. Right. So they're not they're not guaranteeing any kind of federal insurance or anything like that, but they've agreed to transact, use debit cards. Um, you know, write a check, yeah. hold cash for these companies so so that they don't have, you know, hordes of cash right in the in the back room of the dispensary yeah. anymore. Um, so so most of these companies at the state level have some amount of banking. But the big companies like I, forget, I think it was Cureleaf that told me they have 21 different banking relationships. Right. I mean, here's I mean, this is a company that's going to do a billion dollars in sales this year. Um, and they've got 21 different banking relationships. I mean, if you could take that down to three. Think about how accretive that all by itself is. I mean, all those big fees just go away. So I just I was looking at the ETF you gave me. I just saw heaps of volume coming in the last couple of days. So I presume that's the yeah. market running ahead of this building. Right. So that's the bill. And it's and it's also we just learned something else. The second thing is there's a, a House of Representative um, from South Carolina, a woman from South Carolina um, that just just put in her own um, uh, legalization bill. It's called the um, the state's. The, the state something act. It's brand new. I, I forget what it's called. Everyone's called it. Just came out. But the point there is, you've got a Republican who's tick, who who historically has been against cannabis, right, in the House, putting in her bill that basically is a compromise between the Republicans that don't really want to do much, right, and the Democrats and the more progressives that want to do all kinds of things. So it's 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 like a the market is viewing it as like a meeting in the middle. Right. And it is suggesting that there is a conversation at then and there's some traction in Washington right now to get something done sooner rather than later. So that's a big event. So I was just talking to uh, MSOS. That's is that the ETF I gave you? MS yes, Advisor yes. Shares. Um, I think it, it's up like 18 percent in the last couple of days. And that trades in the U.S.? Yes. Let me just. Yes. So I'm pick the um thing here. So it trades in the US, but it holds Canadian companies or US companies listed in Canada. Is that what we're so so I know where you're going with this. Yeah. So it <laughs> it is it is it is and I and I have shot I have kind of people have asked me for years, can I just buy a cannabis ETF? And I say you can do that, but the cannabis ETFs that are out there don't hold 
any of the good companies, right? In right. my view, the good companies are US-based companies. So advisor shares, MSOS, that's the ticker, has found out a way to kind of um, to synthetically own the US stocks without actually owning them and, and providing a return. So it's the only ETF, as far as I know right now, that that is doing that. I just wanted to bring up, because obviously, America, you have your free market enterprise, see the business opportunity, and then there's the conservative part of society mm-hmm. where who object to cannabis smoking, at least, not the medicinal side. Anyway, a couple of years ago, I did a report, and part of that, I read a book which you probably can't, you can't see, it's a bit blurry, but it was by a guy called Alex Berenson, and it says, tell your children mm-hmm. the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. <laughs> um, is part of the reasons, say, Republicans don't want to facilitate that is that sort of they still view cannabis as the, especially the adult use as a drug that is harmful to society is that, is that a big block in america yeah so there's still very much a big stigma about <clears throat> cannabis in the use in the united states and it goes back to you know the war on drugs in the 70s the 80s and even into the 90s um, where you know cannabis was listed as a, a schedule one narcotic uh, 52 years ago now, and uh, it was it was blackballed. Um, so it fell right along the same lines as heroin and cocaine um, and all of these other uh, much more um, these drugs that were much more harmful, you know, physiologically to your to your body um, th- than cannabis is. And and that created this whole culture and, and multi-generational culture of, uh, you know, don't touch it. It's bad regardless of you know what kind of evidence is out there um and so slowly that has been you know breaking the walls down but there's a lot of there's a lot of holdouts that are still out there a lot of folks that um you know grew up in that generation so my parents for example and my parents parents uh wouldn't uh you know even consider any kind of cannabis um although i like to say my my mother is a convert (laughs) i was gonna say when you when you told mom you're gonna be writing a cannabis newsletter did she go what's my boy doing (laughs) so when you look at it as an analyst obviously cannabis splits into a couple of different strains actually literally and metaphorically there's the adult use then there's the guy the pharmaceutical guys who want to create other drugs and treatments from it I assume the sales now are through the adult use, but do you see the opportunity is bigger in the the health side of of it, where it's it's used in products that can ease pain and and what have you? So wh- where do you see the biggest opportunity, if you like? Is it the just the smoking of it and the pleasure pleasurable crowd, or or the actual uh, taking this pro uh, the cannabinoids and and exploring them scientifically and and creating products from them? Yeah. So there's different opinions on that. You know, I, I guess, you know, we're, we're still in the in the early innings, the early stages here of cannabis in the United States, legal cannabis, that is. Um, so I, I really three, see like three big markets for it. And you've already mentioned a couple of them. So the pharmaceutical side of things, the recreational side of things like alcohol and tobacco uh, and then um, consumer products. Uh, so my personal belief is you're going to see CBD, other cannab- cannabinoids, you know, some amount of TSC eventually get into products that are sold, you know, at drugstores, at, you know, Target, at Walmart, you know, on Amazon, I mean, a- a- across the board. Um, there are folks that think that the pharmaceutical side of things will be far greater over the longer term than recreational. 
Um, and I can see that happening because we have no idea really the full extent of benefits that we can get from this plant in terms of medicines. You know, we've got basically one medicine now, Epidiolex, um, for pediatric epilepsy that's derived from the cannabis plant and is a, a miracle drug. Um, you know, you also see CBD like Charlotte's Web, you know, the story of Charlotte Fiji. If you don't know that, go look that up. Um, you know, this 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 young girl with 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 epilepsy that uh, basically got a got a you know home cooked version of CBD oil that eliminated all of her seizures. Uh, so there's all kinds of opportunity out there that we just don't know anything about. It hasn't been studied either. I mean, the, the opponents say, well, there's no studies. Well, there's been no studies because it's a schedule one drug illegal, and they haven't yes. been able to do it. So it's just, you know, chicken egg kind of thing. Well, it's funny you mentioned the girl with uh, seizures in a way because we talked a little bit about how crazy America's laws. Australia is not that much better. So there's an entrepreneur out here, a very wealthy man called Barry Lambert, and he has a granddaughter with seizures. And the family found that cannabis oil could help with that, but it was mm -hmm. illegal to get it. Right. And mm -hmm. so he said, this is nuts. Uh, and he wanted to start a company that would do the research and he had the wealth to fund it and, and do all that. But in the end, he said, Australia is too hard. So he took the business to Kentucky because it's uh, CBD based, right? So to grow the yep. hemp and, and to do the research. So Australia lost that company to America, but in the same way, Americans are going, well, America's too painful. We're going to go to Canada or everywhere else. All these people mm -hmm. trying to invest and create jobs and companies have to go through all these ridiculous hoops. One thing following the Aussie stocks out here is they look to, because it's illegal here, they look obviously to foreign markets and obviously America and Canada are sort of the beachhead, but there's also Europe. Now, my mm -hmm. understanding is Germany you can get it through the the subsidizing fact for treatment. Yep. And that's sort of like the next big market. And then they're trying to break open the UK and Europe. So do you have any thoughts on that opportunity? Is that the next frontier? Yeah. So so Europe is a is a, a very um a very new market opportunity. And you're seeing almost like in the United States, right? So in the United States, you have states innovating and doing different things. In Europe, they're, you know, they're like states, but they're countries. Right. And they're each doing their own thing. Germany is ahead of the curve there. Um, the German health system, it's a covered benefit right under the German health system, um, which is which is fantastic. It's prescribed at pharmacies um, as opposed to what we call dispensaries um, here. So it's I think a, I would say a, a touch more on the medical side uh, than it is in the United States. Uh, dispensaries in the United States are kind of a a cross between a, you know, like a regular pharmacy and a, and a, and a storefront, um, you know, that you have to have a special card that you can only get in your state and you can't take that card into any other States. Um, so it's kind of a, a stranger animal. It's, it's a lot more, I think, smoothed out over, over the German landscape. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that is one of the next big opportunities. Portugal, for example, is exporting, uh, really top quality cannabis, you know, to any country that is, allows import of it. Tom, I remember reading, uh, I think something from you somehow that uh, it was before the election and you said the Biden green wave, if he gets in, it's going to push people to assume he's going to be positive towards marijuana. Yeah. That happened. The cannabis sector surged and now it's fallen back again. It has. What so obviously there's the opportunity long term option you go well there's there's value there there's, like get on it now and that's the sort of way I view it but you sort of 
is it your mind there's two approaches? One is you you wait for a catalyst like the Banking Act and you, you sort of surf that short-term momentum or you take the long-term view and go, you've got to stick around for, say, five-plus years and, you know, trying to time the market is will be a nightmare. Just back the, the, the trend. Is mm-hmm. that how you see the, the two ways to play it? Yeah, so a couple things there to unpack. So yeah, we we called it the the cannabis election trade uh, going into you know kind of September October of last year. You know, our view was that all the states that were looking at legalizing would do so. Most of them will. I think we only one only one failed. The rest passed it. You know, we got Biden elected, so Democrat in office, like him or not, he's more friendly than the Republicans would have been. And then we had the special runoff election in Georgia that put uh, two more Democrats in Congress that would be supportive. So really between, you know, the the end of October and mid-February, cannabis stocks were, were, were doubled. I mean, they were up like 150, and almost tripled, like 180% is the number that sticks in my mind. And then they've all traded off and they've come back almost to um, levels that they were right ahead of that election trade, despite the fact that, you know, now we've got this perfect regulatory environment and that, you know, the earnings quarters since then have only been better. They've been really, really good. Um, So I think the reason for that is that, again, you have a relatively unsophisticated shareholder base, right? And I don't mean that in a in a in a insensitive way. It's just there's not institutions there, right? There's um, you know, individuals that are buying a hundred shares here, buying a thousand shares there and making a profit and selling it and, you know, going away and going to look for something else to invest in. So a lot of day traders short term mentalities in there. Um I, I, I think what you do is, you know, it's fun to trade around stocks like that. You know, I think you have that, but I think you pick a handful, a basket of stocks, you know, or MSOS and you you buy into it and you put it away. I tell all my friends and family, you have to own some of these stocks. This is a generational wealth opportunity. I mean, it's a brand new market. We don't see new markets like this very often. I was going to say, I should uh, mention that you, you've you worked. Um, I remember when you first came to Stansbury, you did a wonderful piece. I actually remember printing it off, but you talked about how you'd worked on in research around healthcare for many years. And when you look at these growth rates, do you have something to compare it to from you know previous years as an analyst? Like in the healthcare world, so I was a healthcare analyst. <clears throat> I, I think one of the one of the, the things I look at is you know in the United States, and not to get too boring on you, but um, you know there's a program called Medicaid, right, which is the the kind of government run health insurance for the poor, and it was run by the government, so it was a disaster, and it spent tons of money, um, and nobody got really good care. So between kind of 1990 and 2005, the government privatized it and it was kind of a state run. So Medicaid is run at the state level. Um, You know, it started, you know, these companies appeared to service this new opportunity and you privatized, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of healthcare spend into these private companies um, that did a great job. And these companies were the darlings of Wall Street for a number of years. Um, so it's I, I think what we see in cannabis um, is kind of similar, right? You've got this, you know, thing that's being, you know, all the the illicit market is kind of like the government market analogy for, for for Medicaid. And all of that is getting is getting pushed over, right? It's getting pushed and pulled over to the legal market, which is a more regulated 
privatized market now where you can go to a dispensary, you can buy a product, you know exactly what you're getting. It's been triple tested. Um, you can buy it as weak or as strong as you like, right? You can smoke it, right? You can drink it. You can chew it in a gummy form. Um, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. Just, oh, there's two final things I want to touch on. When I did my, because I did a report a couple of years ago about the Aussie ones, and I remember thinking the THC angle was too hard. Like you couldn't buy it. It was difficult. But the CBD, so I'm talking, if you're listening, that there's two cannabinoid uh, main uh uh, components, which are the CBD compounds. Yep. T- compounds. That's the word THC mm-hmm. and CBD. We had the farm bill in the U S uh, finally mm-hmm. go through in 2018. That was a huge catalyst for that. Some of the, the, the CBD stocks really ran at that stage. Yep. Is, is there a way to, um, do you invest, do you isolate that sector and go, mm-hmm. well, this is the sort of easy one in quote marks because, there's no block here anymore. Um, is that one way into the story? And then you just sort of observe what you can, in terms of THC, like with the pharmaceutical, it takes time, there's trials, it takes forever. You know, I mentioned the stock mm-hmm. I, I like to you. You know, the the pathway is a long time. So the, the CBD, what am I saying, is that they have the revenues here and now. But when I did that, there was a question mark if it was a fad. I remember reading the New York Times that everybody was wanted CBD oil, and it was like, well, there's no mm-hmm. actually proof of this. Do you see what I, you see what I'm driving at? Yeah. No. How I, do you view I, CBD? I, I guess I, is totally. what I'm saying. Yeah. So the the CBD and from an investment standpoint has been really really tough because you know it it got kind of federally legalized, but not regulated at all, right? So the FDA has said we're hands off. We don't know what to do with this compound yet. So the free market has just been flooded with competition. Um, A lot of bad actors. There's been a lot of studies that show that, you know, if you buy a CBD product at, you know, a, you know, a, a, not a dispensary or somewhere that's got a good reputation, you know, eight out of 10 times, what it says on the label is not going to be what's in the actual product. Um, And to potentially, you know, so, so steer clear from that. That said, there's a lot of great CBD products uh, that are, again, really well tested, like Charlotte's web products for one. Um, we have that in our portfolio, even though the stock has been. Well, we have one out here in Australia. The, 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 the company I mentioned that went to Kentucky is called Ecofiber. And that, that they've right. been putting up with what they, what you just described that they, they, they try right. to sell through the pharmacies over there, but they're like, this, it's a wild west out. You know, there's no, there's no regulation. No regulation of it. Yeah. yeah you it's can just only- like people can undercut us. They can, it's just dodgy. And so as a stock, it's obviously yeah. hurting them. But so the opportunity is there, but it's um, just a very difficult market to operate in at the moment. Yeah, I, I actually see the, you know, the THC side of things um, a, a little more clearly than the CBD side of things right now, right? Because the FDA has got to come out and decide what it's going to do, you know, with CBD. Is it going to be, is it going to let it go as a dietary supplement is it, or is it going to require, you know, phase one, two, three clinical trials like it did with Epidiolex? Um, and right now it hasn't decided yet. So you've got these companies that are out there. We're really with no rudder um, trying to put their best foot forward and not step on any regulatory boundaries, um, you know, and, and get, you know, get called by the federal government, which can be quite punitive. Um, so the THC, at least, is like in, in the states that have legalized it either for medical or recreational, you know, there's a structure in place. 
that these companies can now operate in. Um, and they're maturing and they're growing and they're going into other states that have similar regulations. Eventually, the federal government is going to catch up. So I kind of see CBD and THC as two kind of separate things um, in terms of, you know, is it a fad or not? You know, there's anecdotal evidence that supports um, you know, strong health and wellness uses for both of them. You know, we mentioned Charlotte Fiji and Charlotte's Web earlier. That's clearly um, a, a, some kind of decent medical benefit there. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that use CBD creams and lotions on their hands and their feet and their knees, and they swear by it. They say it works better for pain, for joint pain than anything they've ever used. Um, again, no clinical trials out there, but uh, it's all anecdotal at this point. All right. Um, it just occurred to me, actually, I, I forgot to mention Israel because they're, they're strangely enough, they're one of the, yeah. the pioneers of medicinal yep. research. But we're, we're going to do that another time. Anyway, so to just sum up for us, tell us a little bit about your letter and the opportunity that you're seeing right now. And like you're sort of banging on the door going, guys, it's, it's like so cheap and it's so could be so big. So it, it really is. Yeah. So I was a healthcare analyst for 18 years over here um, and got interested in medical cannabis when I personally did a, an investment myself in 2011 um, in, a, in a Maryland based uh, cultivator, which is now the largest cultivator in the state. Uh, that's really where I got interested. And I said, wow, you know, I just did my due diligence, did my research, said this is going to be a huge opportunity. Um, so I, I'm very, very much interested in it. When I came to Stansbury, um, I noted very distinctly that they did not have any type of research on cannabis. And I raised my hand right away and said, let's do something on that. Um, yeah. So it's been out for two years now or so. Uh, we run it like a portfolio of stocks. I do a report every month. Um, typically, most of the time, seven out of 10 letters recommend a new stock. Uh, outside of that, I'm talking about thematic and regulatory issues and things like that that I learn about. My upcoming issue, for example, is my key takeaways from the very big MJ BizCon uh, conference in Las Vegas, which was two weeks ago. It's the largest uh, cannabis conference in the United States. So a lot of good takeaways out of that one. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's fun, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I think that, uh, investors absolutely need to know about this space. Uh, and I think you absolutely have to have a couple of these stocks or at least an ETF in your portfolio. Cause this is, these are going to be fantastic stocks in the next. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, from my observation, I couldn't agree more. As I said, I, I started it deeply a couple of years ago and I, as I say, I, f I followed the Australian sector and a little less closely the American one. But here, here in Australia, it's like the whole oxygen has been sucked out of the conversation and the stocks. Mm -hmm. like they're, they're just lying on the floor and you're like, there's still a massive opportunity here. And it's just like, it doesn't take that much guts to come in and go, well, I'll just pick some up now and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and because it, as you say, it's like the market's always hunting, you know, big new growth markets. And uh, there's so many things that can still happen that it's just, it's just a massive opportunity. Anyway, yeah. I've been reading your, your letter and it's fantastic. And uh, we'll, we'll put a link in. If I could make one comment on valuation, because you mentioned that as well. So if we go back and look at the valuation of these stocks at the bottom, right, when COVID-19 hit and all the global markets sold off, if we go back to that very bottom point, cannabis stocks are trading today, basically at the bottom level of the COVID-19 market meltdown. So right now is a fantastic time to be looking at these stocks again, buying a little bit, putting them away. Don't worry about them for two or three years. I think they're double, triples, maybe even four baggers. Cool. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And, uh, well, we'll touch base with you maybe in 12 months or so, and we'll get an update on uh, where we're at then. That'd be great. Happy to do it.